Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wonky Cast. This week's show, uh, myself and Emma caught up with uh, the very lovely Hair Doctor at Nine Worlds Geek Fest the other week. Uh, we had exclusive use of their podcasting room, uh, so we took full advantage of it and recorded, as you will probably already have heard, last week's show with Eric Schultz. Uh, and we also took the opportunity to chat with Hair Doctor about uh, steampunk, about uh, his artwork, about the Longitude Punk exhibition, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pop a bunch of links of uh, Mr. Crichton's stuff in the show notes. Uh, so this was probably one of the easiest podcasts I think I've, I've ever recorded. Well, maybe not recorded, but certainly edited. I sat down uh, to edit the podcast and th th there was quite literally nothing I wanted to, to cut out of it. It was a great show. So please, by all means, sit back and enjoy. Okay, yes, I'm ready and we're rolling and everything, so it's all, all good and ready to go. Uh, so, yes, uh, <laughs> very, uh, so very quickly for those, those people who, who don't know of yourself, would you give yourself a one-line introduction as to, as to who you are and what you do. Oh, one line. Uh, I'm 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 Ian. I'm furthermore known as Hair Doctor in the world of steampunk, and I make things. You make exciting, cool, imaginary things. Yes, that's true. I mainly make things that don't exist, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, I guess we, we kind of first crossed paths at the Sci-Fi Weekender, I think it was a couple yep. of years ago, yep. and ended up having a very long conversation with yourself and Jonathan Green about Doctor Who yes. in the bar over the course of the evening, that, as I recall. That, that sounds about right, yes. yes. <laughs> it's, it's either Doctor, well, with, with Jonathan Green nights, either Doctor Who or, uh, or, or, or 2000 AD, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, from then I think we, we've kind of bumped into each other quite a lot, and, and kind of increasingly recently, I think it was only last week that yes. we saw you down yep. at the, uh, the, the Steampunk Summer Fate. That's right, yes, down at Greenwich at the Longitude Punked exhibit there, yes. So the Longitude Punked exhibit, again, for, for, for those who, who don't have been living under a rock and have no idea what this is, can, can you explain a bit about the, the Longitude Punk exhibit? Yes, it's the, I think it's the 300th anniversary of this, it's either the start or the finish of the Longitude competition, which was you know, put, put, put in place by the British government at the time, because basically people didn't know where they were when they were sailing around the world which at the time of Great Expansion was quite a problem. So they, they, they set this composition going. They had all sorts of weird and wacky answers to the problem, including my own personal favourite, which I think was the Powder of Sympathy, which was a magical powder which you dipped a knife in, a dagger in, you stabbed a dog, the dog yelped, the wound healed, you put the dog on a ship, the ship sailed around the world, and exactly one o'clock every day at Greenwich, you stabbed the Powder of Sympathy with the same dagger, and the dog felt it and yelped <laughs> and as, uh, I, as I was quite taken aback by the idea of the brick moon the brick yeah, moon oh, yes, the brick, yes the brick moon yes yes a precursor of the satellite yeah but, uh, yes but you know there were, there were increasingly wacky things and uh, and one of the ones that was thought to be the most wacky at the time was the idea that a clock could be accurate enough which is of course what mr harrison did he did eventually produce a clock that was accurate enough um, and to celebrate, commemorate this, this, this anniversary, 
a group of steampunk artists and artisans were invited by the Royal Observatory to prepare their answers to the longitude problem. Um, Robert Rankins included kiwis. Um, lots of kiwis. Lots and lots and lots of kiwis. Because the kiwi is the only bird that knows the time, apparently. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember something. And they talk to fish. And they talk to fish, and the fish can tell them the time, of course, because fish know the time as well. Mm. Apparently the only creature on God's earth that doesn't know the time is human beings. <laughs> Presumably because we're always rushing everywhere. Hence the need for digital watches. Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> which are really cool, as Douglas Adams said. <laughs> um, I, although on, on digital watches, I have to say, I, I, I totally didn't know you had the same pocket watch. <laughs> I was quite literally checking. I was confused because it seems like the battery runs out on mine really quickly. Um, uh, uh, so the time was wrong. And I was like, well, the time's wrong. And then you went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, like I said, you're only, you're only you're, including myself, you're one of only three people I know that have got that particular watch. And it just means we're really cool and ahead of the curve. It, it does turn. Totally. Well, the, the only reason I got it is because I, I was going to make my own out of a fob watch and my old binary watch. Mm. It had an old uh, binary watch that the uh, the strap had gotten. Mm. So I was, I was going to try and fix that into a into a pocket watch and have a binary pocket watch because I thought that'd be really cool. And then the Keys one came. And I was like, no, I must have that. Yes, yes, pretty pretty much the same here. I, I bought it to coincide exactly with me and coming back from the asylum, so obviously I didn't get to wear it that year. Damn it. <laughs> Curses. Yes, but, but back to, back to Anyways, longitude, yes. yes. Um, there's a, there's a, I mean, I mean depending on, a, on the artist's uh, skill, I mean, I mean uh, uh, my friend Gemma, Lady, uh, Miss Emily Ladybird, her, her, her solution was a dress which had a built-in orrery. So where, where the crinoline would be in the hoops, for the, to support the dress would be is an orrery. Um, uh, uh, Major Tinker and Lady Elsie are again sort of vaguely science-based and and clothing-based because of their background. Dr. Jeff of the Island of Dr. Jeff and the Steampunk Review, his 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 is a set of random scribbling scribblings that may well involve flying elephants. Yes, his did, I think his did involve and, flying elephants and scuba diving elephants. Yes, yes. Because again, clearly the only creatures that can't tell time on Earth are human beings. And then there was another one involving wormholes and airships. Yes, yes, and uh, and uh, and uh, Citizen Griff Dog and uh, and Yomi there produced produced a huge sculpture which is sitting in the square outside, pretty much on the line of the the, the meridian, mm. which is which is the control cabin of their of their crashed time traveling dirigible, mm. which you know that's quite a lot of it about. So, uh, so it's actually it's actually a very nice. The whole exhibition has uh, seems to have caught the imagination of a of a number. You know, once once people have got over the shock of it not being real, <laughs> yeah. it's it seems to be going down quite well. Having and visited it, I don't think a lot of uh, I think a lot of the people that we saw there didn't get that it wasn't real. Yes, <laughs> Which, there was one girl obsessed with the rankings video, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, watching the, the video the about Kiwi sat nav. The, the parents kept trying to pull her away. And going, oh. come on, come on, come on. And she was like, no, no, I really want... And she watched the whole thing. I think she got it. Because we, we were wandering around and we were pissing ourselves laughing at certain <laughs> points with some of the stuff that had been written Oh, yes, walls. some of the stuff that Dr. Jeff wrote for the... As Dr. Jeff has rewritten the captions for real exhibits and real paintings. And when I, when I, when I, was, when I was there putting my exhibit in, which I'll get to eventually, 
Um, I sort of had a look around at all the all the placards, and the first two I sort of read very po-faced, finger on chin, going, hmm, hmm, hmm. When I got to the third one, where it said about a violent storm in which all of the ship's lemon sherbet was lost over the side, I went, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and read the first two again because clearly I didn't get them. <laughs> and and then 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 the next one is a beach a beach a beach vessel and. In, in the middle ground there are two men on their knees appear to be playing patty cake and uh, Dr Jeff's um, a comment under that is is about, about Kiss Chase being banned on, in the British Navy and it's, yes and it sort of escalated from there until you get to the final one which is the one on the one clock Harrison's clock replica that's still there and he says something along the lines of despite constant maintenance and regular oiling to this day the, the 14 mounted horsemen and two cuckoos have not appeared out of their little door. Which, uh, which I understand they had to run past the curator of the clocks because, you know, they take it very seriously. And he laughed and laughed and laughed and said it was the funniest thing ever. And ooh, can he make it sillier? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so speaking, speak, speaking as, a, as, as, as you said, people not understanding it, it's meant to be a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke. As 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 a as I'm often accused of being a steampunk artist, I feel that we have succeeded in some way because make, making people question whether or not things happened. Mm. Mm. Because I, one of my great fantasies is to one day turn up on uh, Antiques Roadshow with one of my lovely walnut boxed ray guns, dressed as a chav with an earring on, four days stubble, with a cigarette tucked behind my ear, going. Yeah, we found this in Grandad's attic. We don't know what it is. Can you tell us about it, please? <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. But one day. So your solution for longitude was a beacon. Yes, 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 it was because uh, I worked out with by by getting out a globe and looking at it. There were, um, I think it was twenty points. No, I don't think it was that many. I think it was a thirteen points where the lines of longitude, the greater lines of longitude, intersect with the equator. And I very rapidly worked out that if you were to susp- if there was a tower or, or or something floating 50 miles above the Earth, that would be viewable in between the lines of longitude, so you could see it. And as long as the beacon was was lit or the cannon was firing, so you could hear it in the fog, you would know at one o'clock when that was going off. So it's like, okay, well that's my solution. So um, being a being a a maker of models by by profession and inclination, I produced. Partly inspired by the early architectural models of uh, Wren, what can best be described as a doll's house, which looks like two Palladian domes, one at the top, one upside down on the bottom, with the the, the columns and the colonnaded windows that you have in that sort of building, which opens out to show the many levels inside. On the bottom level, you have the cannon and where supplies are raised and lowered um, and privy. Uh, the next level is uh, is where you, you you were keeping the livestock and the supplies. So there's 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 like chickens in a little coop and little barrels and and uh, and, and containers for the supplies. Next level is is where the beacons themselves are, which do look remarkably like a pair of bicycle lamps, um, and a few and some other bits of ancillary equipment. And then you have the living quarters, and then you have the master's office, the bedroom, and everything. And then there's a few other details there, but it's it's quite. Would you say it was quite a detailed model for something? I, I would say it was a very very detailed model for, yes. for something that's not real. And of course, of course, it opens up like a big clamshell, like a doll's house. But you so say it's not real, but it is because it was there. Well, so yes, it, it is. It's, it's, an, an, actual, real. it's an actual object. <laughs> yes, it's a, it has a physical entity. 
There was a, um, a wonderful warning on the wall that, that, that told us all not to trust you. That was indeed. Anarchist in a mad scientist. <laughs> yes, that, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be Robert Rankin. <laughs> my, 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 my very good friend and arch nemesis. He <laughs> seems to be picking up arch nemesis. I think Jonathan Green is his arch nemesis <laughs> yes, as well. Yes, right? yes, and, uh, and Dr. Jeff, of course. And, and, and he was a womanizer. Uh, yeah, well, yes, apparently so. I know a few of the women, women he's eyes too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and unless, of course, we're all arch enemies. Unless, of course, it involves standing at a bar with a pint, in which case, in which case, we can talk the toot into the very small hour very easily. But yes, it was, it was, it was wonderful. Actually, as as an aside, it was wonderful the first time I met Robert. It was at the asylum, and I've read his book since I was a. What's the asylum? Oh, oh, it's the asylum. Yes, not everyone will be aware of it. The asylum. What, the world's biggest steampunk convention? <laughs> that one. <laughs> at, at, at Lincoln, at the, 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 uh, the uh, Lincoln from the uh, 12th, 13th, uh, the 11th, 12th and 13th of September, September this very year, and every year, though possibly oh, by the side of that date. Um, yes, the first asylum, which is the biggest We'll put links to it in the show. All good. It's all good. I'll go in the show notes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I've read his book since I was a teenager. I actually mm. very clearly remember finding the collected editions of the first three Brentford books yeah. and the Sprouts of Wrath in my local bookshop. I think I got Armageddon the Bee movie first. Uh, yeah, I think Armageddon the Musical, or, or I think it was The Antipope was actually the first one I read. Yes, yeah. well, so I, I, I saw, basically I was drawn in by the Josh Kirby cover. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because you know, because because of the association with Terry Pratchett and the and the parallels drawn on the back cover with Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams, and uh, I basically read these four books in maybe two or three sittings because they were hilarious and they were right up my alley. Mm. And if we fast forward twenty odd years, there I am with a box in my hand, looking over at Robert Rankin at the asylum while he puts the ray gun he's built on display in the sort of art art section. I'm thinking, oh, it's Robert Rankin. Well, I won't be a fanboy. Because, you know, they don't like that. And I put my gun down, I open the box, put it on display. Rob Rankin stands back from his gun, nods at it like he's really happy, looks at mine, does a double take, <laughs> scampers over and goes, Ooh, what a smashing ray gun. Did you make that yourself? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> oh, is it for sale? I said, well, no, but I'd, I'd happily do one on commission. He went, oh, oh, you can hear all weekend. I went, yes, oh, oh, we must talk more. Yes, and he wandered off, and he just wandered off. I went, oh, uh, is, is, is Lady Reagan? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm here with my wife. I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll come over and introduce myself, because I've intercourse with her on the internet before now. And he sort of nodded and went, oh, jolly good. And he turned away, and he turned around and did that questioning face thing with one finger in the air, as if to say, what did you just say? And I thought... I think I'm going to get on with this man. <laughs> and, and in correspondence and meeting at other events, um, eventually he did. Uh, I, I don't think he'll mind me saying. He sent me an email saying, "Me and the missus consider you one of our best friends. I hope this isn't a problem." <laughs> I was like, "No, no. It's rare I meet someone I've got quite so much in common with." And now I've got over how frightening that is. I'm a totally okay with it. They are very, very lovely. We, we had are, them on the show uh, very, about a year and a half ago. Very good we went to meet them in Brighton and we were supposed to be chatting to them for like an hour. Yeah. We had a three hours sat drinking beer and chatting yes, in the pub. That, that and that was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was a really lovely evening. You have made him a ray gun, haven't you? I have and made, you've made ray gun a ray gun. I've made ray gun a ray gun. I've made him a ray gun. I was going to make him a Martian, but unfortunately they decided to go to Japan instead. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, I made the Commodore. For, well, I made I made Lady Ray Gun's ladies Ray Gun. Um, he said, "Oh, what a nice surprise for the missus! Can you make her a Ray Gun?" I was like, "Yep." 
and uh, he gave me carte blanche. So as long as as long as I think his exact words were, "If you like it, I'll like it." I went okay. So I made her a ray gun, which is quite a, quite quite a slim line ladylike ray gun. And uh, he presented that to her at the asylum, and she burst into tears, such as she wanted to do when acts of great kindness are bestowed upon her. And then whispered something in his ear, which I never found out what it was, but he looked very happy afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and, the fo- and the following year, he said, he said, I want a ray gun, but I want a nice big butch ray gun like the one you made yourself. And uh, his ray gun's actually got a working plasma ball in it. Mm. And is very, very. It's called the Commodore because his sometime persona is the Commodore. It's the same persona he's using as a, as a narrator of the uh, Longitude Punk exhibit. Yes. Mm. So he's got a very big. I, you know, it's ama- it's amazing when you get these things. You say, right, it's a Commodore. Okay, well I'll make sure the holes you can s- in the body of the gun you can see the plasma ball through look like portholes, and I'll make the handle like a belaying pin off an old sailing ship. And you look, step back from it, you go. Actually, it is a bit nautical. Oh, in that case, I've succeeded. Oh, yes. He's in That's it, that's it. No, it's not Archimedes. Archimedes is John. Yes, yeah. jo- well, well, Jonathan Green, the, the, the well-known fantasy author, who, who apart, from, apart from when he first met me, stood there with his mouth agape because he thought his, uh, his hero... Um, Oh, Ulysses Quicksilver had come to life. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, 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 I look just like him. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But as long as he's the hero, I'm fine. <laughs> and when he got over that, and he was actually able to talk to me, and after Robert Rankin had said, "Oh, Ian's a wonderful model maker. Oh, he can, you know, he can ask him to make anything." And he said, "Could you make me a robot parrot?" And I went, "Leave it with me for a while." So because I'm a, a very much a, a modifier and. Um, scrap, you know, I, I tend to bash things together out of other things so mm. the first thing I did was try to find out if there was anything that was already a robot parrot so you can get these toys Hasbro did a range of toys called For Real Friends and um. they did a, did a parrot called Squawker's Macaw mm. so I dutifully found one of those on eBay took a scalpel to its skin cleaved off all its skin and was left with a rather sorry looking blue and white plastic robot parrot which I then clad in very thin plastic, which I moulded to fit, which covered in rivets, planted a lovely golden colour, added, added various details like exhaust ports and things, and uh, made a nice speaker grill, robot speaker grill, where the speaker is in the front, making sure it still worked, and uh, presented it to Jonathan. Jonathan was frankly amazed, <laughs> which is always gratifying, and he said, he said he's, uh, and after taking it to several several signing as he said, he said, said, people get bored of talking to me and just want to play with a parrot. <laughs> he always takes Archimedes with him. Yes. Always, yes, always, always. Yes. It's in need of repair. Thankfully, not because it's broken because of anything I did, because it fell off its perch. It did fall off its yes. perch. I think we were there for that. I was at the sci-fi weekend, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Poor thing. Yes, well, well, thankfully he's here tomorrow and he said, oh, can I, can I leave, can I leave our community three minutes? I guess, yes. So we saw him around earlier today whipping his children and yes. carrying all the oh, yes, that's for right. Yes, well that's what children are for. <laughs> the version two is Isenberg. Yes. And that was at the London Film and Comic yes, Con. That's, that's it, that's it, yes. we were there at the time. Yes, I, 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 I went to the Comic Con doing the only person I cosplay, which is John Steed from The Avengers. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, with, with a huge cardboard box on the hottest day of the year in a black pinstripe in a dark blue pinstripe suit and a bowler hat it was so hot that yeah. day but, uh, but I have to say a lot of people said it may be hot but you look really cool 
<laughs> which means I probably won. And yes, I presented them with the parrot there and put it on display. And Reagan again once got very overexcited. <laughs> and uh, Robert Rankin called me all sorts of nice names, as opposed to the nasty ones he occasionally uses. And yes, it was another hit thing. It was something which drew people in because you know a little squawking robot parrot does rather draw the eye. Now, now they're on kind of opposite each other. Yes. When, when they do signings, I, I, stare evilly at each other across a room. <laughs> I think, I think, due to the, the way the software works, they actually talk to each other. Oh, if they're close that's enough. Genius. Are they? Are they? They're based on the same thing. Yes, they're, they're, both, they're both. They're both the same robot. I, I have sort of told my mother at some point if I find another parrot, I will make her one. So yes, it's almost turned into a production line. But it's, it's, it's a thing with when you make things. The first one is really difficult. And then you make the second one, it takes half the time, and you go, oh, it's almost as if I made one before. <laughs> oh, hang on. Did you say it confuses your mother's cats? Oh, yes, when I, well, it, um, yes, the, the one I made for Raygun sat in the house for a while before I was able to deliver it, and I had it on display, which is why my mum decided she wanted one. And the cat, I did actually, I, when it was turned on, because my mum quite liked it occasionally, we had the cat sort of sitting there with their eyes cocked to one side going, is, is, is that a lion? Is that something I should be chasing? <laughs> Looks like it should have fur. I should yeah, be eating that. Yeah, or feathers. I'm, I'm really confused. <laughs> and the girl cat eventually went, feathers, oh. Feathers, of course, yeah. Birds with fur, that would be very wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Feathers. Feathers. <laughs> The, the girl cat, being a more sensible creature than the boy cat, eventually went, well, I'm not chasing it, and wandered off. But the boy cat was like, it's, it's about the same size as me. I wonder if I could have it in a fight. <laughs> and eventually he too went, no, it's not worth it, and wandered off. But for a, for, a, for a good few days, the cats were sitting there, giving it quite a lot of hard stares. But uh, yes, that's cats for you. It's, they get very curious, then they get confused, and then they decide it's beneath them and wander off. So, at kind of, at what point did you start? Do, did you kind of decide that steampunk was the thing? Because it, I mean, it sounds like it's something that you've done for a very long time, and then steam, steampunk kind of came along, and you were like, "Oh, that's what I do." Yes, pretty much, pretty much. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I was, I was brought up on a diet of what we used to call two Bob Airfix kits and mm. Woolworths, and you know, the, the penny dropped when I was watching the likes of Space 1999, Doctor Who, that. Uh, I can I can see bits on that spaceship which I think are in my Spitfires, and <laughs> so my Spitfires and my Messerschmitts became spaceships because I took them apart and put them together in different different configurations, um, and you know all through school and sixth form and college, you know eventually I went to college and studied model making. I was constantly making spaceships and strange things out of found objects and old model kits, um, and there'd always been an appreciation of history as well as looking to the future. Um, partly drawn out, drawn out by the fact that uh, my parents took me around many, 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 many stately homes as a child and yeah. you, can't, you, can't really, you can't really be British, white and middle class without feeling ever so slightly guilty constantly about what you've done to the world from the, <laughs> from the height of the, right of the British Empire through to the end of, end of the British Empire. Which, which also makes you think, mm, would it be nicer to go back in time and sort of pretend it never happened? <laughs> which, which, is, which, which is what Steampunk is. Pretty much, yes. And, of course, the Steampunk thing sort of came to a head for me 
I'd always I'd always had a bit of a, a liking for the long jacket, the sort of Victorian look, mm. quite severe, the severe cut of a gentleman's clothes in the Victorian era. While while it's quite severe, while at the same time being quite quite dandified. Mm. Um, because as as a professional model maker, which is my day job, I tend to look dressed like a tramp, slightly less well off younger brother. Um, so dressing up nicely is a good thing. But somebody nudged me on the internet, an old friend said, "Oh, have you seen this blog and this?" this forum, it's right up your street, and that was Brass Goggles, mm. and I went on there and went, ooh, this is really good, I really like this, ooh, I'm signing up to this, this looks fun, which is where Hair Doctor came from, mm. because, of course, somebody else had already nabbed the Doctor, yeah, and as a, as a massive Doctor Who fan, I just went, eh, nah, well, I'm going to be Hair Doctor, <laughs> which is why the, the, the heavy metal umlaut is in there, because I just did it because it looked funny, and... Now it's sort of stuck, and I'm sort of known all over the place as Air Doctor. Yes. But as one of my Germans said, it is the heavy metal I'm allowed to be understand this. I went, oh, fuck off. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise, in German, of course, it would be Herr Doctor. Yeah. It just doesn't sound good. Um, and basically, within weeks of that, I wandered into a garden centre and saw a big, moulded acrylic plastic garden cloche, which was quite by chance very close to the large metallic plastic. Planters, so I perched it on top and went. Well, if I cut this and this out of the planter, I'd be able to get it over my shoulders and I could make a space helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, a woman walks by and goes, "That's a really good idea, putting putting a cloth on top of a planter." I went, "What for plants?" <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, that's right. That's what it's for. No other reason. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll just go to the counter and buy these in, and pretty much within a week I've got the bare bones of my first really big sort of like steampunk thing, which was a steampunk space helmet, mm -hmm. which, which when I finally finished it a few months later, bounced all around the world on, on, on blogs and on Pinterest type things and everything. I was getting pingbacks from Malaysia and Mars and, you know, across the whole solar system. It was like... Oh, this steampunk thing seems to appear, appear to be a big thing. And it is quite firing my imagination. Mm. And speaking professionally, I, at that time, I was resting on my laurels and thinking, yeah, I'm at the top of my game. Nobody can tell me how to do anything. I'm great. And then steampunk came along, prodded me in the small of the back with his umbrella and went, so uh, how's your woodworking skills? Can you solder brass? <laughs> like, not very good and no. Well, go down to your workshop and practice. And since then, I've gone. I've had taken a deep breath and gone. Yes, every day I need to realise that I don't know everything. I'm still learning, and I need to keep pushing myself. Otherwise, I'm going to go back to that position where I'm sitting in a workshop, my arms folded, going, "I know everything," and that's a very bad place to be. Mm. I have since decided. But I think, I think it's it's brilliant that steampunk seems to be getting getting taken seriously by not not just the people who are into it, but also places like museums and so forth. Oh, yes. Because there was the a couple of years ago, there was the. Uh, steampunk exhibition in the Museum of the History of Science in yes. Oxford. Oh yes. Which yes. was kind of the first of its kind. That was the that was the first item, which I, I thought was brilliant. Yeah, it was 2009 yeah. that was. It was yeah. just around the corner yeah. from where I worked. It was like fantastic, this the steampunk has come to where I live. This yeah. is great. And it was free to get in. It was so you were there all the time. Four or five times, it was brilliant. <laughs> And you kept saying, and I went today, and they've changed it, it and they've added this, and yes. they've taken yeah. away this. <laughs> but it, that was that was that was that was a straight, well, a bit of a revelation to me because up until that point, I think I'd organised perhaps a couple of little meetings in the sort of south southwest London area, being where I'm based, and I realised there were. It's it's jumping out of the computer, out of the virtual world into the real world. I think was the real, the real change. I realised. I mean, brass goggles put a lot of like-minded people in contact.
and from there on in we were able to actually arrange to meet and I think I think the the exhibition at the Museum of Science, the History of Science there, was quite a big catalyst to get people together because we had a focal point and there were several days where people from up and down the country went mm. and met there. I went I went to a few of them myself and it did it did allow us to use that lovely modern word, network. Yes. And realise there were like minded so individuals. Yeah, there were dress up days. It was fantastic yeah. for me, yeah, the dress up days were brilliant. Yeah. I, I I always that that's my favourite thing about the steampunk culture is just the clothes associated mm. with it. I think it's brilliant. I, I don't. I think there's a lot of things that kind of entice people to that. I think it's it's all about politeness and it's all about the, the way that you dress and well, people have different things that yes. draw them to it. Well, it's 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 as as Major Tinker says, John Naylor says that one of the you know to be a punk is to go against current society and current society is quite impolite and mm. quite brusque. So, so holding doors open for people and calling each other sir and madam being quite polite is, in comparison to modern society, a reaction. It, yeah, it's against the grain. So yeah. Last weekend, going round to you know the Queen's House, um, and it's such a beautiful building, um, overlooking amazing parkland, mm. and sitting and having afternoon tea. Yes, afternoon, was, was afternoon tea wonderful. with a group of people wearing straw boaters and... Uh, yeah, and, and striking people lasers people and top around. hats. And it's, it's rather wonderful. Yes. I love the, the little top hats. They're, they're my favourite things. Yes. They're, they're so cool. Yes. <laughs> yes, the, the uh, little top hat fascinators and the ladies. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, I, I can't, I don't, I don't even know where that started, but it very rapidly became another bit of shorthand along with goggles mm. and brass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the, I remember having quite a long and in-depth conversation with somebody that was new to steampunk about how do people get into steampunk? And very, using very broad strokes, I said, a lot of the ladies I know in steampunk have found it via goth by mm. going from the black and the purple to the brown. And that's the, the brown that's and the great. That's the great description, is goths that have found brown. Yes. And, I, and, I said, and a lot of the men I know have found it through science fiction. Mm. And so you've got this lovely sort of catalyzing thing where where you've got, you've got a lot of, a lot of the ladies a lot of ladies who are who 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 formerly listened to the cure quite a lot with with a lot of gentlemen that have read an awful lot of science fiction and there's an awful lot of cross-pollination between the two so it's it's I mean unlike unlike a lot of sort of counterculture different cultural alternative things which are built around music or, or a particular look or something. I think steampunk is so much more broad than that. Mm. So, so when the music goes out of fashion, we'll find different music. I was, I was having the conversation earlier today that, uh, kind of in my opinion, I think music and steampunk is the, is the one part of it that hasn't really been explored that much. Mm. There's only a couple of bands that are associated with the steampunk scene, there's, and they're so different in yes. what they are Something that they, there's nothing you could categorize as steampunk music. Men that can music. not blame for nothing, yeah. Professor Elemental, Mr. B, well, I think uh, the, the, is it Abney Park, and um, Sunday Driver. Yeah. They're, they're all so completely different. So yes, different. well, that's that's the thing. I think, I mean, Mr. B and Professor Elemental, I think, have more been. Well, Mr. B definitely has more been adopted by steampunks than has, has courted steampunks, mm. if you know what I mean. Um, and I think Professor Elemental, when he first started out, when he first started as MC Elemental and did his funny tea song, he didn't realise quite what he was creating no. there. <laughs> no, and, he did. and he's 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 courted it since. But but he's very he's most excellent at what he does, so I can't really complain. And uh, yes, and and as 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 a white middle class boy who brought up who grew up in the early nineteen eighties. 
I really do like a nice bit of hip-hop. <laughs> and I've had conversations with both uh, Professor Elemental and Mr B along those lines. And of course, Mr B, as the song goes, is straight out of Surrey, as indeed am I. So we often compare notes about her upbringing and have uh, found it pretty frighteningly similar. Do you think that with the emphasis not being on music, which is by death usually happens in a club that's over, for over 18s only, is very noisy, is difficult to have conversations over, has made steampunk more inclusive by comparison because a steampunk gathering might be a day out at a steam rally or a museum where you can bring your kids, bring your granny, your granddad's oiling up the machine. Tea Julie, don't forget the tea Julie. Do you think that's worked in Steampunk's favour? Yes, yes. I actually, actually, one of the first things I did as as hair doctor was I got invited to a, a London club night uh-huh. called White Mischief, um, and uh, I'm not a great one for clubbing. I'm not a great one for going into the centre of London unless it's a really good reason. And uh, apart from the chap who runs it, it turned out through conversations from the same tiny village as me in Surrey. Um, so it made me think, wow, there's something fatalistic going on here, but in a good way. Uh, I went along, I displayed my wares, and it's the first time I met a chap who goes under the name of Captain Shipton Bellinger, who runs uh, his steampunk engineering website and makes some very nice things. And, uh, you know, I didn't really, I, I, I knew the name and I knew him from the internet, but he was there selling his magnificent little wooden and brass um, uh, pen drives. And uh, in conversation with him, he said, he said, this is quite an interesting night. It's more like, like old vaudeville or variety than a club night. I said, yes. yes. And the wonderful thing is, he said, I said, is, there are people here from 18 to 80. He said, who is it? Well, they're definitely up to 60. And I went, ah. And I thought, oh, penny's dropped. You must be about that age. Because literally <laughs> it was, because it is, it, it was a sort of, they've, White Mystery have never overtly labelled themselves as steampunk. But that was clearly the first night they went, let's have a like a steampunk theme. Mm. And they got a lot of steampunk people in there, and and it was a dress to impress thing, and there were bands, and there were entertainments like magicians and jugglers and things like that, and it was it was like, how can I put it? In the nineteen eighties, when you watched a Hollywood film, there was always a nightclub scene in a nightclub that couldn't possibly exist, full of wonderfully exotic, beautifully dressed, strange people and creatures, where the music wasn't loud enough for you not to have a conversation where the drinks where the drinks flowed well but they weren't but people weren't being sick in the corner sort of thing an impossible nightclub and I walk, walked in after that first night I went to White Mischief and I went so they do exist <laughs> and I found one and I enjoyed it and I don't do clubs I'm really confused but I've been back a few more times as a punter and occasionally as an exhibitor and they are really good nights I recommend them and you do get to see a very wide variety of different people there, in in every respect, you know, full, full, fully embracing every kind of alternative culture you can possibly imagine, and uh, including men in top hats. And at least on one occasion, when the, the twenty thousand leagues under the sea, I bumped into a really old friend, and we were both quite embarrassed because we were wearing the same thing, which was the Victorian bathing costume. Is <laughs> <laughs> it really? <laughs> you didn't speaking, speak of, <laughs> speaking of selling things. You have a rather nice collection of Reagans. Indeed, I do. <laughs> Indeed, I do. Which I believe, which I believe, I can say, I can honestly say that uh, that uh, everybody in this room really likes because you bought something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're going to ask. We bought them for Emma's birthday this year, yes. and before they arrived, every day the house was there was one cry ringing out throughout the house, which was her going Reagans. <laughs> At least once a day until they arrive. Well, and now the house every day has the resounding pew, 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 p
Excellent. <laughs> that is the minimum rule in the house. Excellent. I love it when a plan comes together. Well, the thing is... So thanks for that. That's all right. It's, it was an absolute pleasure. Well, I... I, I lent you one, didn't I? I lent you this... You chose uh, the solo you captain. The captain solo yes, week, yes. Yes. Well, one, well I, um, one of my colleagues... Which I'm Facebook friends with. When I when I posted about that, he went, "You guys always, you know, I know, you know, I know, I know we always look at each other's work and go, because you know it's a profession, it's a job, it's just another day." So I really like your little ray guns. Always oh, said that 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 solo one. That's very Star Warsy without infringing copyright. Very nicely done. <laughs> yes, that was the idea. Uh, but yes, the trouble was as I, I had the little ba- I had the little badges I've had made, little sewn badges embroidered badges of Hair Doctor's Laboratory logo and Minion First Class and Victim Second Class, which are which are all three pounds each. And then the other thing that's on my little Etsy shop is was a was handmade, hand fettled, put in antiqued boxes, ray guns, which started about fifteen hundred pounds and go up. And as a several people have said, you could really do with something in the middle ground. <laughs> and a number of years ago now, I, I made the masters for what I wanted to be eventually metal cast ray guns, pewter ray guns, six in the range, all, all of a, all of a, all of enough of a different style. I mean, there's a couple which are a bit Buck Rogersy. There's ones a bit 1920s. So I, there's... I normally carry around the Buckingham Rogers. Yes. Yes, it's a weapon of choice. Oh, jolly good! I'm glad you like that one. I'm glad you like that one. That was that was one of the ones where I where I, where where I made it without really thinking and just looked at it in my hand and went, "Cool, I'd like one of them." So <laughs> um, uh, yes, and and so it took me. It, I kept on, I kept on googling and asking people who know these sort of things where I could get things cast, and eventually. I sort of put it on the back burner because nobody could really help because nobody wants to produce things in small numbers. Mm. Mm. Um, and and you, you, especially if you go to the Far East or the Middle East or through the Far East where they want to produce things in batches of a thousand, like, no. And I wanted it really, you know, to be more of a homegrown product. And eventually, I was on Facebook, good old Facebook, and I saw a friend of mine, amazing, dressed up as an anthropomorphic lady badger. And I commented on this and said, oh, very Granville. She said, oh, yes, it's to publicise my partner, Helena's miniatures. It's like, oh, Helena's doing the pewter miniatures. She's got someone to cast in pewter. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more. I'll get her to message you. So she put me in contact with this nice chap up in Birmingham who, he said, I, I said, I've got plenty of resin castings. I can send them to you. Can you give me a price? Send them to him. He gave me a price. It was a good price, which enabled me to be be able to still remain within the price point I was aiming for. Get lovely little metal boxes, the size of all toy tins. Get little little velvet drawstring bags so I can put the ray guns in the in the box, and then make up some lovely little labels, little labels with a nice picture on the front of the, what the ray gun is, and a nice bit of blurb on the back about what each ray gun, the history of it is. And yes, it's taken me a damn long time to get round to it, and I'm getting lots of good feedback, and everybody who's bought them has loved them. They, they are amazing. And, and they are truly amazing. And you, of course, you have your certificate of yeah, impossibility. Indeed. Yeah. Signed, signed both by Hair Doctor and his minion, and Ian Crichton. Yeah. Yeah. We noticed that. Who may or may not be the same person. <laughs> I'm afraid we're just getting to the point where we're running out of time because uh, somebody else booked in the podcasting room. Ah, uh, such is life. Uh, so. Uh, Events that you're due to be attending over the next couple of months. Um, yeah, there's a well, bunch of people can come along oh, and, yes, and well, relieve you of your wares. Well, the very next thing is is the asylum. I think. I think yes, which is a month away, just over a month away. The asylum, 
in Lincoln, the, as I said, the biggest biggest steampunk convention in the world, despite what other countries might say. <laughs> um, and then after that, I think, is probably Steampunks in Space at the Space Center, National Space Centre in Leicester. Um, I'm hopefully, hopefully going to try and get my ray guns into the shop at Greenwich. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, that's a, that would yeah. be a great idea. Um, and of course, of course, I will be, no doubt, before the end of the end of the Longitude Punk, I will be there for other events. I managed to be there for two or three events so far. You're saying that there's going to be another event in November or so? Uh, I, th- I don't think that was. I don't think that was. But there are there are supposed to be there's supposed to be some evening events for the viewing of Mars mm. where they where they they somehow managed to make a telescope see Mars in broad daylight. I think it might involve technology and science, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how. But it is an idea to get to get people in steampunk clobber <coughs> to wander around the exhibition after hours as you know. As, as, as a nice big game of let's pretend, which basically that's what steampunk is a bit. It's a nice bit of escapism, as far and as I'm concerned. And of course, people can buy ray guns from your website. Of course, they can. My website, I, I have a. We'll post all links to websites. I have, I have a Doctor's Emporium. If you type that into Google, you should find me immediately. It's on the big cartel um, um, uh, uh, e tailing system there. I've also got an Etsy shop. If you type in here, Doctor's Emporium, and that you can find me there. And uh, yes, and hopefully I shall be going to more events. Although, although I won't technically be trading at the asylum, there's a fairly good chance that if you stop me, I'll sell you. He will have a suspiciously bulging jacket. Yes, <laughs> or a doctor's ba- a doctor's bag which is full of pewter. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, well, Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Oh, thank you very much. It's always always a pleasure to see you, sir. And thank Madam you very and, much. And of course, I have to say, my my lovely consort Jenny joined in as well. Yes. Yay, Yay Jenny. <laughs> Fake fucking guns!